y'all. I'm so, so honored to share this guest with you today. She is a fellow systems fanatic and y'all know I love my systems people. So, Kay, how are you doing today? I am amazing, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me on. We're going to have a geeky and fun time. Yes, all the geeks. So let's go ahead and start off by just having you uh, shoot us a couple details about you and your business. So I tell people I am a psychology-driven brand strategist, and these days I'm helping people figure out how to be more of themselves in their businesses and specifically helping six figure and beyond entrepreneurs figure out how to scale beyond that point because it's often a sticking point for people. Yeah, it really, really is. You start to realize you can't do all the things and you start to realize that you have to like have other people do stuff for you. And so it can be a really scary realization, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. So get your notepads ready, get your iPads ready, whatever y'all, y'all know this is a writer downer podcast. You can't just be passively listening. So we are going to dive into the juicy stuff. So today we're really going to be talking about how to scale your brand. So again, going from that six figure point and how do you continue to sustain your business without burning out? So, okay, first things first, start to describe your business or your clients' businesses before you started to implement and what we're going to be talking about today. So like many, I was doing all of the things like you just said, or trying to and <laughs> failing. <laughs> so my husband's job actually has us moving around the country and other world. We're in Naples, Italy now every two or so years. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's this like crazy disruption to normal everyday life. I frankly love it. Like I love the change and adventure and everything else. But for business in particular, it can be really challenging. So thankfully, I run an online business. All of my clients are all over the world. But I needed something, some kind of system to keep the business running when I wasn't 100% in hustle mode. So like when I couldn't give all of my time to the business, I needed the business to run without me. And I'm also the mom of two children. So like most people, I have other things going on. I don't want to be stuck on my laptop 100% of the time. (laughs) Right. I know it can. Yeah. Moving that much is a lot. I moved around a lot growing up. I think I've moved 11 or 12 times. I don't know. I didn't keep track, but So I get having to move every two years that can really put it into perspective how your business needs to be really flexible. So that's super, super awesome. Was there a moment that finally drove you to kind of put a system in place? Was it, you know, the moving, was it a health scare? Was there a specific moment or a series of moments that just kind of drove you to put the system in place? Totally a series of moments. So the birth of my first child was a big wake up call that, hey, as an entrepreneur, especially one who can't hold a steady job just by, you know, virtue of our circumstances, I needed to have something, you know, something that was going to work. And then a few moves later, I realized that I had built a business that was essentially a glorified job. So I was pedaling really hard on the bicycle that I was on and I was exhausted. And all I wanted to do was to you know, put the kickstand up and find a car that I could drive, you know, even better for a self-driving car. And, and that's where I, <laughs> where I sat out. I, I mean, essentially I got to the realization it was here in Italy. It was after a move. I had like 
essentially shut down my business for like five, actually longer than that because it coincided with the birth of our second child. So I had really slowed down the business for about four months. And then when I was starting to get back into it, I'm like, this shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't have to restart my business. Just, I mean, it is my business. So I get to decide how fast or how slow that we go and the way that I set it up. So gosh darn it, like, let's stop let's stop with the manual pedal bike and switch to something a little bit more powerful. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It can really, it's funny how we get into business and then we start, I guess, doing things in a way that like we don't actually want to do them. And we're like, why? Mm -hmm. I'm the one building this business. How did, how did this happen? Like what? (laughs) Like, you know, you look around (laughs) and we're just like, um, all right, it's this, this is not going to be working anymore. So Let's step in to your actual system around how to scale your brand. So go ahead and walk us through the steps and everyone take notes. This is where we're going to be taking notes. Yes. And before I do that, let me set up a realization that I had to come to while I was setting up the system. So this, and I'll give it a little bit more context. So the system that I use to grow my business and my brand as quickly as I have is that I have set the standards in advance. So my brand is completely documented. I actually have it now in the newest form in an entire website that all of my team members can refer back to whenever they're unsure of how to be the brand on my behalf. So that's the context of what we're going to talk about, which is totally geeky and exciting to me. But (laughs) (laughs) before I got to that point, I didn't realize that I needed to have two types of hires in my business. So everybody that was online that tells you that, okay, you need to avoid the overwhelm. You need to stop doing everything yourself. You need to hire some people. Most often that the word or the title that's kicked around is, is you need a virtual assistant. And this person sounded magical to me and I was really excited. So I set out to find my first virtual assistant. And I found somebody who is, who is amazing but I was a really terrible manager or I just didn't empower them to do their best work. And it, I realized now, and I realized after the fact it was because I didn't actually need an implementer in my business at that point. I needed to first set the standards. I needed an expert Mm, in my business. I needed to be the visionary on one hand. And for the things that I didn't know how to set the standard for, I needed to bring in some of that expert help, to first figure out where we wanted to go, what systems we actually needed, and then to hire the implementers on the second half to do the work, to get us to where we want to go. 110%. I totally agree with you. I tend to hire the very same way. I tend to hire experts to, well, I enjoy doing my SOPs, my standard operating procedures and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes one, I just recognize I don't have time. So I will hire the experts and then have somebody who might just be a lower per hour or whatever else that can do, can follow the actual process because it's so specific. I love that you mentioned that. Totally. I think that we get caught up in one end or the other because on the expert side of things, you can actually replace say like one-on-one experts with like a course or like a mentor or like learning. So I feel like people get in, they caught up, get caught up in one end or the other. So either they're in this constant search for information for that expertise and they're never actually putting it into implementation 
or they try to jump into the implementation way too quickly before they even know what they want done. So yeah, you have to separate those two aspects, get the standards set first, and then hire the team to actually do the work. Yeah, love that. Perfect. All right, let's gear this All right. Up. Yes. So the system, I call it a source book for myself and my clients. It's yeah. a separate website. It's public. So like if it's probably searchable on Google and I can give the link to anybody. It's not password protected. I'm not, I'm not, uh, what's the word? I'm like, I'm not protective of my brand. I want as many people to know my brand and what it stands for as humanly possible. So it's this literally a separate website that not only dictates the normal things that people might think of when it comes to your brand. So like, this is my logo. These are my course logos, colors, fonts, etc. But the most powerful piece to me, and this is why I call myself the psychology driven brand strategist is I get deep into the ethos, like the motivation, the personality that I want my brand to embody and to how I want it to show up in the world. And then I give real world examples for my team members. So mm. I use um, a, I guess you could call this another system. I use a, a system of figuring out what archetype a brand is. So there's like different categories of ways that brands show up in the world. And for example, mine is the sage. So I tend to be a teacher. So in my brand standards, I'm actually giving specific examples. Like we're the teacher, so we're going to use this type of language and we're going to give examples in this way. We're going to tell stories about these specific things that evoke that sense of like being in the classroom or talking with a mentor. Uh, you know, the Yoda <laughs> of, of your business, essentially. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been this really amazing journey that has been a mix of like macro, like figuring out what I wanted my business to be in the first place, but then on the micro level, figuring out what exactly those decisions meant for both me and my team. So my best friend wasn't locked up in my brain. It's something that other people can bring to life. Yeah, I love that. And I think it is really, it's so true when you think about just generally, you know, the vibe of the words that you use, you know, I, I tend to use the word fra-la-la a lot. I had no <laughs> idea until I went to this beach retreat and everyone's like, what is up with you and fra-la-la? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you literally say fra-la-la all the time. And I had literally no idea. And so it's become this thing now that I more... I recognize a lot more because somebody brought it to my attention and just like how, you know, you had teacher, I think that you can have kind of adjectives that, Mm -hmm. um, that you use, like there can be professional or cheeky or wacko. I don't even know what my category is, but I tend to use my own language and somehow people know what I'm talking about. So it, it really is, it makes things a lot easier for people to adopt your languaging when you put those adjectives or when you put a label or a role in your in your copy because you can definitely tell people who have done that and I know personally have used copywriters and stuff I'm like yeah they definitely have nailed down their voice enough to be able to have a copywriter come in and just like you know bang it out so yeah that's such a great example that's one that I use with my clients all the time a lot of times 
it's like going back through previous content to see what yeah. sticks out and is unique to your brand because we totally like as consumers as humans we latch on to those things that are unique to us and yeah. even better if it's not just you who can speak or write in that way like if you're being specific enough in your brand standards that you're giving people specific phrases that you use. I even get as granular as like dictating the type of punctuation that we use in my brand because you want to create yeah. that alignment and that authenticity where it doesn't sound like it's six different people that are creating on behalf of your brand. It wants, it should be a singular message and message being like visuals, the actual words, the personality, the all of the decisions that go into embodying your brand should be defined by you, the CEO. Oh, in totally. And even emojis, let's be honest. Yes. There's yeah, no, totally. Emojis, you know, <laughs> like some people do exactly. this, the like, whatever, colon parentheses for the smiley face and some actually use the emoji. And it's important to have that, that across the board consistency with, it sounds silly, but with your emojis. Yes. Or like knowing what you're not going to use. Yes. It might even be more, more powerful. <laughs> so yeah, like literally this is like the smallest of examples, but like, I don't use the poop emoji in my brand. I don't know why. Perfect. I just don't care yeah. for it. <laughs> so I don't use it <laughs> in my brand standards, I swear. And it's good because whenever I have people that are creating for me, it's just mm -hmm. easier. Like there's way less micromanaging. I don't have to make those silly revisions yes. with every single thing that, that is created for me. Totally. Um, yeah, it's powerful. I hate, I, I mentioned that I was a bad manager the first time that I hired. <laughs> I think I still am not a great manager, but at least I've created systems where right. people can, can feel empowered to create and to do really great things within their zone of genius in my business, which is yep. the best feeling ever. Yeah. I love that. All right. What's next? All right. So once you figure out those, so I, I like to say that alignment, so like brand alignment, figuring out how you're going to show up, uh, requires awareness first. Mm. And I hinted at this just a second ago that I have a system for figuring out like who you are at the core of your brand. Uh, so I do recommend for people who are still stuck in that question mark mode of like, I don't know what my brand stands for. How can I, how can I define my brand for my team if I don't even know what it is? And that was a real problem for me when I started. Uh, so I have actually a brand personality quiz on my website that I recommend that people take. And it categorizes your brand based on your motivations, your personality, the way that you want to serve the world. So that helps you just get into your zone of genius, your zone of strength. And it gives you an, an innate advantage to be yourself instead of trying to emulate what everybody else is doing, which I think all of us can like breathe a collective sigh of relief. Not Seriously. To do, because it is exhausting to try to be somebody else or try to be something else that doesn't come naturally to you. Yep. So, so agree. I love that. And I think another misconception that people have, especially when it comes to branding, is that because branding is so creative, whether that's coming from yourself or from like a very particular designer that you love to work with or a very particular copywriter that you love to work with, yep. I think that can be empowering to know that 
it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to do everything yourself or to rely even on a single contractor because life happens, stuff happens, and your brand shouldn't suffer just because one of your three favorite people isn't available for working. Or maybe you can't afford them for every single project they are putting out. I think that people get hung up in the fact that branding can be very creative and it should be, but it also is a system where you're creating consistency through the decisions that you're making with your brand. And those shouldn't be reinvented every single time that you're working with a new contractor. Yep. A hundred percent agree. I think putting those templates in place can be really huge, especially if you, like you said, kind of your favorite person isn't available or whatever else, you don't have a freak out. It's just, okay, well, someone else can pick it up from there because again, you have all the stuff written down. It's a roadmap. There's no guessing. And there's a lot less back and forth. If you get, if you get real, I mean, I get pretty granular with my stuff and I'm sure you do too. Mm -hmm. Because again, if you just get granular once, then you don't have to be granular in all of your editing and all of your back and forth processes. I'm like, listen, just follow the sheet and be done with it. <laughs> I call it like the doing the business dishes. I hate, I hate, uh, I have a like, strong yeah. aversion to doing anything that you have to do over and yes. over and Same. over, over again. Yeah. Oh that is so yeah. true. Doing the business. That is exactly what it is. It is not fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And can you imagine like if the founders of Apple were like still in their garage and they're like, nobody else can create any products as well as we can, because we are the genius masterminds behind this, this business. Right. Of course that wouldn't happen. Like we wouldn't know Apple to be the amazing company that they are. And we also don't know. I mean, obviously Steve Jobs was a you know, design genius, but what he did was he set extremely high standards Yep. to the point where he's like been characterized by those high standards, but perhaps on a lesser, like less neurotic degree, that's the <laughs> job of the CEO. Like you as a yep. CEO should be setting standards that other people are reaching. Yes. A hundred because it, and if you don't set any standards, God be with you because <laughs> that is just going to be a recipe for disaster town all day, every day. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I hear from so many of my clients that they're like, man, it's like, I've been in business for, you know, two, three, five years, whatever. Like I've just been collecting things and like sticking it in my business closet. And now I have this hodgepodge of like landing pages yes. and email automations and sales pages and everything. And it happens to everybody oh, it does. and you're never going to have a perfect system across the board because it would take way too long to update everything all at once. Yep but at least draw the line in the sand and know where you want to go moving forward with every new thing that you're producing. Yep. A hundred percent. And honestly, you can hire people to clean up the crazy. I yes. used to do that for people. So I know that it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> so it is what it is, but anyhow, what's next? So related to that point, like the, yeah. it just not being perfect. I think a lot of people get the misconception that when you're building a system, you have to build the perfect system before you can deploy it so that it's yeah. like turning on this magical light switch. And then all of a sudden you have this business that works and it's amazing. One of the best things I've done when I've been scaling my brand is to embrace the fact that it is an iterative process. Yes. And Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, the technology car company, 
he has this awesome TED talk where he's talking about his new tunneling company, the boring project. So they, they want to like dig these tunnels underneath LA and in all over the United States. And he's talking about the fact that the technology isn't there yet to do this like massive vision. He can't mm. quite, it's not, it's not cost effective yet. But then he starts talking about each of the different pieces that goes into building these tunnels. He's like, so if we just reduce the size of the tunnels by three X, if we improve the safety by two X, if we increase the speed by two X, and this was such a light bulb moment for me because I realized that this is what your brand does. If you're able mm. to change each of the lever points in your business by just a little bit. So like, instead of going for 10X gains and improving your sales funnel, if you can just double that, and if you can shorten the time that it takes for somebody to hire you by half, or if you can improve the like lead to conversion rate by double, like all of those put together gets you a 6X or 10X or whatever, like a much bigger multiple than just mm. obsessing over a single system. Yeah, so, so true. Where you can make the changes over the whole or just find small pieces in each of your systems and keep cranking those dials you know, a little bit better, tuning it in a little bit more so that your entire business improves. And I think that your brand can be really key to touching all of those systems almost at once. I love that because, yeah, it can be super overwhelming to think about like, I want to 10x across the board. It's like, what is even happening? And I love that there's, you know, I like to call it tweaking and adjusting. It's just like little knobs, little, little cranks here and there. And then eventually, you know, eventually all that stuff adds up and, you know, you've helped your business along the way. And that's also important to know what you should be focusing on 10 xing Like I will tell you as of today, I have zero pins on my Pinterest board. Now it's not because I don't like Pinterest. I actually love Pinterest and I'm obsessed with it personally, but for my business, that's not where the ROI is. And I, you know, if I have the time, whenever that is, I could play around with it, but I know that in-person events and my website are the biggest drivers of traffic leads and conversions for me. So I put my efforts toward that and tweak that to get better and better and better until, you know, it sort of like flatlines and it's like, okay, like this is, this is a ceiling for this. And now I can go try and grow in another platform or, or in another area or something like that. But that's why it's also important to know like what your brand is and what your brand isn't or where your brand isn't in this particular instance. Because again, for me, I spend a lot more time, honestly, on Instagram. I've like kind of even been going away from Facebook lately. So Mm -hmm. um, it just, it's more, I go to what's most fun for me and what I enjoy doing. And that has definitely helped me in my business more than it's hurt me. If you get specific, all that good stuff, it's going to help you again and again and again in your business. I love the advice to do what you like to do. I think that so much of us get caught up in doing the advice of like the best practices or doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. For me, it's actually the opposite. And I think it's worth saying this. I I want to love Instagram. I want it to bring me lots of business, but for me, it just doesn't for some reason. And I've gotten some of my biggest clients from Pinterest and it's never the same. I've talked to so many different business owners and this is why there are so many different courses teaching so many different things. I think it really works well to figure out 
what you actually want to do. <laughs> any Hello. of it can work for any of us, but if you're just doing what you're unnaturally good at, you're going to be a lot farther ahead than all of the people who are doing it because they think that they should. Uh, 110%. I, I totally agree with that. And I love that Pinterest is your driver. And I think that that's, again, if you don't know the answer to that, then I would take a couple minutes today and figure out where do I actually enjoy doing my traffic generating? Where do I enjoy, you know, doing my conversions? Do I like getting on one-on-one calls with people or would I rather have either somebody else do it or do a more passive enrollment process? Thinking about all these different things in the different areas of your business and then saying, okay, putting it in your actual, you know, you can call it brand Bible, brand statement, brand area that, you know, this is what I enjoy doing and this is how we're going to do it. And so then it also makes decisions really a lot easier because for me and my business, mm-hmm. I don't launch anything. I don't want to launch anything. I do not like launches. I pretty much only do one, I guess, big launch every year in August, but it doesn't feel like it because I basically just like get 30 some of my best friends together and we do this awesome summit and it's really fun. But anything for like my own products and stuff, it's just a lot of ongoing. And so knowing that, you know, I'm not going to use launching in really any of my language because that's not, I'm, I don't really preach that in any way, shape or form. So again, thinking about all these things, I mean, it just, it can get really crazy really fast when you're just being introspective and reflective, but are there certain questions, Kay, that you would suggest for like even the different areas when you're documenting your brand and everything that are things that people miss or don't think about, you know, maybe, you know, they think about, oh, I should put my colors in there, obviously. But like, are there questions that you have that people don't think about that they should? Or that is such a great question. Thank you so much for asking. Yes. The, one of the exercises I put in almost all of like my free challenges when I'm doing those, I've also become very (laughs) anti-launch last year. So I completely commiserate there. Uh, (laughs) And then every time I'm working with a new client, I make them do this exercise that can be kind of boring and it's, or not boring, but it can be uncomfortable and it's deceptively Mm. simple, but it's so, so powerful. So what I have people do is down a piece of paper, write down one through 15, one through 20, and you start every sentence with, I believe, and you write down it doesn't even necessarily have to be about systems or like about your product or service. But like, I believe that our circumstances don't dictate the level of success that we can get to. Or I believe that people should be able to embrace the fact that they're a mom and a business owner and happen to be living in Italy or like what, whatever your statements are, it is so powerful to just get clear to get very, very certain on the things that you know to be true, no matter what. And I encourage my clients and everybody, all of the students that I work with to really explore things that are bigger than your product or service. So what do you believe about success? Mm. What do you believe about work-life balance? What do you believe about relationships? Really dig into those things that make you, you and really dictate your worldview. And those are some of the most powerful things that you can share in both your brand standards and then also as consistent themes in your content because those are the ways that people connect on an emotional level to brands. It's not 
you know, the colors reinforce whatever that core message is or the, the specific words that we use reinforce those core messages, but you have to get clear on those things that make you tick because that's how you'll find the people that that resonate with that and it'll bonus points it'll repel people who don't resonate with those messages amen and then you won't have as many problem clients oh my gosh yeah (laughs) i know you're making me want to just like turn on my fireplace even though it's not even cold here and just sit and journal all these things so i'm totally gonna put this on my calendar to do sometime soon because i love that i think it i totally agree with you that your worldview definitely shapes your business, your life, like everything. And if you aren't aware of what those things are, then this is going to be a great exercise for you because it's, it can be as simple as I believe Netflix and doing thousand piece puzzles is better than going out to the clubs. And I've thought that since I was like 18. So (laughs) it's like, you know, these funny things that like people lately I've been telling more and more about just like how I actually spend my time and how people think I'm actually 88 years old and I'm stuck in like a 27 year old body and it's true like that's how I live my life and I'm 110% okay with it I have no issues with the way that I live my life and it's but it also needs to be shown more in my brand and putting a stake in the ground of also just the sacrifices of you know, doing 12 internships in college. And, you know, that means I'm not going out and doing all the cool, fun, whatever things in college. And I'm totally okay with that. And just understanding, I think also what could be good is writing down things that you hate or that you Mm -hmm. um, don't like, because I don't know why, but just putting things in the negative is therapeutic for me. So, you know, I just, there are lots of things that I hate or dislike strongly. And then figuring out what the opposite thing of that is. And then obviously that, that is something you can build into your belief statements as well. So um, any, totally. any other part of this whole brand process that you want to, to make sure to touch on? What you said is, is so, so, so powerful. So it's very effective for brands to have enemies and these don't have to be like your literal competitors but having idea enemies is powerful. I don't know, this, this probably isn't a universal example, but I'll try to explain it to give it context. But the formula companies, I think it's Simulac, I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced, but they had this stellar commercial where all of these different groups of moms, so you had like the moms who breastfed, the moms who worked, the moms who didn't, like the hippie moms, and they were all like judging each other in this commercial for all of these choices that they made as a mom. And then at the end of the commercial, they all came together for this common belief. Like there's this stroller that was rolling down a hill. It like had gotten away from one of the moms and everybody freaked out and like rallied together. And I think that just the idea that like moms judge each other too much was an awesome idea enemy for Simulac to like kind of grasp onto and show in that visual way in that commercial. And I think that whether you're doing it in your emails or your content or your blogs, pay attention to the things that really light your fire, especially like if you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and you see something from say like another entrepreneur or a different brand, you're like, wow, I just really don't resonate with that at all. Don't attack the person, but incorporate 
the, that idea, like being oppositional to that idea can be really powerful for, again, rallying those people and attracting the people who believe the same thing as you and repelling those ones who don't agree. Yes. So, so agree. Love that. Ready to go into final questions? I am ready. Perfect. What was your best financial investment in business? This probably will sound a little bit cliche, but I spent a crazy, scary amount of money on an expensive mastermind program recently. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it was so powerful is a, I mean, it just, if money on the line does something magical, at least for me personally, yep. because I work my butt off to get a return on investment. But yep. second, it was like we mentioned in the beginning of our talk, just having experts who see the things that I, that aren't even on my radar. So not only did I not know the things that I didn't know. So I'm like on the surface was trying to improve my lead generation for, for high-end clients. But I, learned so many more things than that what I had originally set out to learn just because there were people that were so much farther along on, on their business journey. So hiring those experts, bringing them into your business where they can point out your blind spots is just priceless to me. Yeah, totally. I can agree with you. When you make that first like big deposit into something, you kind of want to hyperventilate, but then also... <laughs> It just, it does something. It, it's so interesting. Even sometimes when I think about making the decision already, like transformation has happened. Like it may not mm -hmm. be the big transformation that I'm expecting, but the, there's still a little transformation that happens when you decide to put a big chunk of money down. And I'm not just saying be reckless and be crazy, but when you find a good decision and a good investment, totally go for it because it will, like, if you go in with the mindset that, you again are gonna are gonna stick with it and commit, which don't get me on like a rant about commitment. That's for another time. But you really can see a ton, ton, ton of ROI in your business for sure. And even invest you can see a return in other ways in your business. It doesn't doesn't always have to be investment. But and lastly, what was your worst financial investment in business? So I can totally get on the rant of commitment with you because <laughs> My worst investments have always been, so kind of on the flip side, whenever I've taken the quote unquote cheap route and I've decided to just mm. buy like a cheaper course instead of hiring an expert, or if I just, yeah. I'm trying to like patchwork a tool together to do something that doesn't really, not really intended to do. Whenever I just am cheaping out and I know it, yeah. I think that the flip side happens. Like you just... Either you don't finish the course, which is just silly because you've invested in it, or yeah. you don't get the intended outcome. Like once you once you get that like tap on your intuition of what you should be doing, I think it's important to go all in. And that's not to say that you shouldn't be profitable right. or that you should make crazy financial decisions, because I'm not saying that at all, but just know what going all in means for you and, and honor that decision. Yes, I so, so agree. All right, Kay, where can people find you online? Give websites, social media, all that good stuff. So I'm at kayputnam.com. That's where you can find my brand quiz to figure out what your top brand personality is. And then I'm a good internet marketer. So if you just search my name, you can link up with me on you know Facebook, uh, Pinterest, sometimes Instagram, all of the different places. Yeah, perfect. And all of those places 
will be in the show notes. So don't be shy. Go and check them out. Kay, thank you so, so much for sharing your goodness. And it's been so fun talking with you. Thank you so much for having me.